Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. Problem you're gonna have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is gonna go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What is good, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back with two episodes this week Let's of the go. Draft Act podcast. We are gonna hit the Tennessee kids, we're gonna hit Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson. Um, should be a lot of fun. As always, I am with my co host, Albert. My man, how we doing this week? Dude, I'm excited. Double header. Look Double at header. Look at that. This I is, brought my baseball hat for this. This is this is real efficiency. We're we're growing, <laughs> man. I freaking That's love it. it. Well, you know, on this <laughs> on this podcast, we love the efficiency. That's one of our uh, one of the things we look for in prospects. So you know, we can't our, be hypocritical. We gotta up we gotta up the the uh, the efficiency with the increase in usage. You know what I mean? Our our true shooting percentage is through the roof right now, brother. <laughs> That's it. Um, all right. You know what? I'm because I haven't told you know told you who we're starting with. I'm going to leave it up to you. Who do you want to start with? You want to start Ooh. with Springer or, or Keon? I think we should start with Keon just because okay. I think there's going to be the most to discuss. All right. All right. So uh, episode one, we're going to start with Keon Johnson. Let's go over uh, you know the background. Keon Johnson, Tennessee shooting guard, 19 years old. Six foot five, 185, six eight wingspan, 11.3 points per game, two and a half assists, three and a half rebounds, 1.1 steals, shooting splits, 45, 27, 70. So a lot to liken the, uh, the little rundown, a lot to be concerned with. Um, let's go over some preseason rankings which I finally set up an actual bookmark folder on my desktop for where I get my preseason and, and uh, current rankings instead of having to search for them each time. So again, it's all about the efficiency, folks. Let's preseason <laughs> preseason rankings. Bleacher Report, seven. ESPN, seven. SB Nation, 13. Current, Bleacher Report, six. ESPN, six. SB Nation, seven. Mm-hmm. All right, Albert, is Keon Johnson's stock too high? Is it too low? Is it fair? Damn. I, for me, so I'm actually, Corey, for, I'm actually really interested to hear what you have to say about Keon because I watched a lot of Keon this week. And, okay, so my easy answer is I think it's too high. Um, that's just me, of course. But, um, yeah, there is a lot that we're going to talk about today in the 30 minutes or so, but <laughs> there is some, st- I, there, um, yeah. Okay. Well, I'll wait a little bit. And I'll just say too high for now. Okay. Um, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. I think his stock is, is not only do, do I think it's too high. I really think it's way too high. I mean, yeah. analyzing, analyzing the, the rankings, the preseason rankings to me, it's a baseline for, you know, for fun. Like there there's, it's really hard to evaluate 
high school talent and how it's going to translate. And then there's weird situations. So if you take a kid like Keon Johnson, who's six, five um, with a, you know, okay wingspan, but you know, he's athletic and in a high school setting, he's going to look super, super athletic. Right. So if you want to yeah. slot him really high um, and in a loaded draft, which, you know, if you're, if you've been listening long, you know, this long, you're, you're a draft aficionado, you know, there's a loaded draft. So to rank them high, just based on like potentially the athletic gifts, I, I get it. Um, but after watching the college season to not only keep him ranked that high, but in Bleacher Report and ESPN's case, you're moving him up to six, which is right out of that top five, which we all know is loaded. And then SB Nation moving him from 13 to seven, which is a really big jump. Uh, I just, you know, I, I, I don't know exactly if I'm seeing the same things that, that whoever made these lists are seeing. So let's, let's get into it. Um, Cause I, it right away, it seems like we're on the same page uh, with Keon. Here's what I have scouting report, right? Um, he's a North South driver, mm-hmm. you know, He's got good burst, and that goes and, and speaks uh, to his athleticism. But there's not a whole lot of creativity and like that improvisational skill with the ball in his hands. Um, you know, he doesn't have like a ton of wiggle, a lot of shake. I think he's at his best when he's keeping it simple. You know, he one two dribble pull up, uh, ball swing 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 catch attack closeouts. Like he's when he does that, it's not like it looks awkward and, or, or anything, but that's when I think he's at his best. He, I, I think if you're expecting him to like go into some high usage role at some point, personally, I don't think I saw enough flashes to, to believe that. Yeah. What do you, what do you think about his ISO game? <sighs> okay. So before I even get to his ISO game, I think when I think of Keon, Corey, you and I, this is the Draft Act podcast. We like to connect things to the stock market and yep. crypto and Shasta Dogecoin for having one hell of a week, right? Let's go. Um, but dude, like the thing with Keon, he just reminds me of, I think he's the epitome of volatility. When we're mm-hmm. looking at this draft class and we're le- forget about the draft class even, just look at him as a player. He is the dictionary definition of volatility as a prospect. Like I, I when I was watching him play, it felt like, the Tasmanian devil, like there's, mm. there's speed to him. There's athleticism to him, athleticism to him. There's energy, there's effort. And that stuff can be mesmerizing and yes. like effective. And at the same time, dude, sometimes his craziness, his madness, his volatility, volatility can leave a freaking mess behind. And so they, like I was watching, let me, let me just pull up what game it was that I was uh, the uh, sec tournament game against Alabama. Dude, yep. that game. Holy crap. they you, there were like three or four instances where I'm just like, what the hell am I watching? Like, it was so messy, so all over the place, so wild and out of control. And yeah. I, I don't want to start on this, on this like terrible negative note and be like, this kid's going to be bad. But I, I think the best way to start, and I think kind of the foundation that we need to lay out there for when we're talking about Keon Johnson is he, for me, is the epitome of volatility in this draft class as a player. 
because there's so much that I know NBA GMs are going to be betting on and they're going to be willing to put their jobs on the line to take a guy like this pretty high in the draft. But at the same time, he can really end the, he could really end up busting in your face. But wait, that's sounds terrible. Uh, but um, <laughs> but also even looking at the Bleacher Report rank and the ESPN rank, having him at sixth, that means that for Bleacher Report and ESPN, they have Keon Johnson above Davion Mitchell. And that's something that I really personally can't get behind. Just because you and it's, and it's not like you and I are just freaking like, you know, go hards for Davion Mitchell, but there's just so much more there for Davion to love than there is for Keon. But um, just really quickly going back to your question with the ISO game, I agree with you, man. Like his handle is messy. His handle is not tight at all. Um, and sometimes I'm watching him and I'm like, oh, he must be like six eight, six nine, right? Like He's one of these short, guys. Man. He looks short. He's not. He's really not. He's six five, and his hands are not exactly. You know, Corey. You know, big secret that I know. College guys, they do this on purpose. These skinny guys wear t-shirts to look bigger. Keon, <laughs> if you if you look at this guy, he's wearing a t-shirt on his jersey to look bigger. He's yeah. skinny as hell, and that shows when when he's playing, dude. He can't get by guys because he's like quick, but he's not like freakishly quick. And he's skinny as hell. So as you mentioned, doesn't have the wiggle, doesn't have the tight handle. So it's kind of like, you know, if, if the ball swings and he's got a little angle there, then he can use his burst to get to the rim. But if it's like straight up half court, one-on-one, he's going to have some trouble. So that, that's my initial answer for, you, for you know, his ISO game. Yeah. Um, to go back, we are Davion Mitchell propagandists on this show. And <laughs> proud, I think. <laughs> We're go. proud. Now, to play devil's advocate to that, yeah. like having him, because I have Davion well above him as well. So, like, uh, you know, that's not a, a secret, I don't think, at this point, if you've been following along. But if you're an NBA GM and you're like, all right, what is the argument for taking Keon Johnson above Davion Mitchell? And it's that, like, the age, right? He's 19 versus Davion is a little bit older. Um, but again, it's hard to measure like, because what is development? You know, like Davion's development, he's a little bit more advanced. He's a little bit more ready to contribute. Most likely Um, it would blow my mind if Keon went in, you know, went to a team next year and he was ready to contribute in a high level. That would absolutely blow my mind where you could see that outcome for Davion. Right. And then you look at that and you go, well, does that lower his ceiling just because he's a little bit further along for a guy like Davion Mitchell? For me, I don't see it. I think we see examples all the time of these kind of uh, older quote unquote prospects who we see come in and we're like, Oh, just cause they were a little older. Doesn't mean that they don't have potential still There's, you yeah. know, like um, but you get mesmerized by the, the teenage thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it's, it's, as long as you can go back and trace it back, it's always been that way. It's why when NBA GMs were allowed to draft high school kids, they were, you know, running to the podium to, to try to draft, you know, the next KG, um, mm-hmm. the next Jonathan Kobe, the Bender. next, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> Who, you know what, if he didn't get hurt, Jonathan Bender, yes, you know, know, there was a, there was a, and in modern Jonathan Bender. Oh yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Let's he, go. Saw, yeah. That feathery touch. Yeah. yeah. He, he was good. Yeah. You know, but that's your argument. You're like, you're betting that because he's a teenager, he has this, you know, larger growth plate. And I don't always necessarily agree with that. I think sometimes it makes plenty of sense to think that, you know, but it's all context. Um, And if you're, you know, measuring him against Davion, I I don't see it, but uh, I get it. You know, there are tantalizing tools for him, right? He's a, he's a plus athlete. 
Yes. He's a plus athlete. He has moments where you go, oh, wow. Like, you know, out of nowhere. Um, the give and go dunk against Georgia. He had a, this yes. monster help side block against LSU where you just get up and it's like, you know, in your face, you know, he's trying to either tear down the rim or, you know, basically swat the ball through the backboard. And I love that because he's, he's tough and he's aggressive in that regard. And those are positive traits. But like you said, you know, when he's, you know, kind of going one-on-one or uh, it could be a little out of control. You Tasmanian devil, um, I think is a pretty, pretty good and reasonable explanation for, you know, the, the type of play that he sometimes gets himself into. And that's where you see some like turnovers materialize where like he'll do the Tasmanian devil spin and like his feet shuffle. And now it's, we're going the other way. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, he's fast. He jumps high. He's a plus athlete, really, really good athlete. But is he an elite athlete? You know, like to me, he's not in Jalen's class, Jalen green, you know, he's not Zach Levine at UCLA. He isn't, you know, Giannis or Zion. He's not one of these guys where I look at him like upper tier of NBA athletes. So if I'm looking at him like, all right, he's young and he's a great athlete. So that's my reasoning for having him so high. Then I just don't think he's good enough of an athlete to bet on like the tools being so great that you're making, taking that risk that Mm -hmm. high in the draft for me. I don't think he's there as an athlete. I think he's a really, really, really good athlete. And when he gets to the NBA, he's going to be a good athlete. He's not going to be out of place, but I don't look at him and think he's Russell Westbrook athletic. You know, I, he's, there's nothing I've seen it before. It's there. I don't think he's a special athlete is what I'm saying. And, And that, that worries me if I'm drafting early because I think he's, you know, his athleticism is one of his calling cards. Yeah, dude, I, I totally agree. I, I feel like even if, even when we compare him to like a book night, because him and book night are about the same height, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like, is there a yeah. huge gap between the two? I'm, I'm not exactly sure. And uh, for the record, Corey, if you and I were GMs, or actually maybe more so me, I think my starting lineup would be like all like 25 year olds. Like I just grabbed <laughs> a bunch of guys, like juniors and seniors coming out of well, college, you know? I feel like, well, you know, it's like, kind of memphis it's like the memphis route like you take like the one really high or the the two like high level mm-hmm. like younger guys mm-hmm. and pair them with like all of the like ready to go nba draft twitter mm-hmm. like solid vets like it's worked out well for them right yeah yeah <laughs> but i dude i i definitely agree man i i think with keon okay so if i can give keon a little bit of credit now i've you know, I've hated on him to start. The one thing that just stuck out to me, they lost to Oregon State in in the in the tournament, which sucked. But right before halftime, um, Oregon State, they had the ball up top and then they tried to swing or tried to throw it underneath. And excuse me, Keon comes from the corner, comes down, he rips a steal, right? And he goes down court trying to beat the buzzer and this fool, I think he jumped from like the free throw line and hit this like <laughs> yeah. unbelievable scoop layup. Crazy. Yeah, it yeah. was unbelievable. So, like, that is a beautiful picture of, I guess, what NFL uh, – sorry, NBA GM – I'm still on, like, NFL draft <laughs> from last weekend. But NBA, <laughs> NBA GMs are going to be looking at plays like that and be like, oh, my God, like, the instincts to grab that steal, to go down the court, the athleticism to Body jump control. from – Exactly, all of that. And so th- that's exactly what GMs are going to be looking at, what they're going to be yeah. excited about. But I think it's like when we start to see him when this game is slowed down, Right. Because ultimately, like 
what are we looking at, Corey? Like, we want to see guys who in the fourth quarter, at the end of the fourth quarter, can make stuff happen, right? And if you're going to spend a top six, top ten pick, you're hoping to find a guy who's not just going to be an energy defender, uh, Jerome Williams junkyard dog. Right. We're hoping for (laughs) we're hoping for a guy who can eventually create his own shot, especially if we're talking about a six five wing. Right. We're hoping he can be a number one or a number two, you know, and I just I don't get that feel from him at all. But once again, there are these moments where you're like, holy crap, like there is some fun. It's the wow. He has he has moments of wow. Yeah. Um, And those flashes and they're they're tantalizing. They're mesmerizing even. But I he's just one of those guys it's like you really have to dig deeper than the swish highlights you know you have to watch for the nuance um now you know one of those things he's a 6'5 wing you know he what nba team wants to put like a 6'5 wing on the floor that can't knock down shots right and he shot 27 percent from the three-point line now i will say i don't think his shot is broken Yeah, I agree. You know, like it even has, it's like kind of smooth. It's not perfect by any means. It's, it needs work. And I think part of like, you know, obviously the volume wasn't tremendously high. So that can have an effect because a a few more shots, maybe he's sitting at 35 and we're having a different conversation about his shooting uh, or at least the general consensus. But I think form wise, it's workable. And there's no reason for me to believe that it has to be an issue long-term. Um, I think part of it is like sometimes, and it's not like there's no hitch or anything, but it seems like sometimes he thinks about like, should I shoot it instead of just letting it fly? And it's like a split second thing. It's not even this long drawn out thing where he's hesitating, but you, it's just like this, this very split second. And in the NBA, every split second matters. Every split second counts. Everything is sped up. And that's one of the reasons that rookies have such a hard time adjusting to the NBA is because the speed of the game is so much faster. So if you're even hesitating for a split second, that is going to affect you at the NBA. And he was doing that at the college level a little bit. But when he let it fly, I was like, all right, I could buy it. Now, you know, there's inconsistencies. He's missing long. He's missing short. He's missing left. He's missing right. And when that happens, it means there's stuff to work on. You know, when somebody's missing consistently, it's a little easier because it's you're able to, like, identify a fix to it. You know, mm-hmm. shoot up more, more arc. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you need more legs. You know, the, the whatever it is, it's easier to identify. Uh, and his misses are a little bit more inconsistent. But I do think that despite the percentage, there's reason to be fairly optimistic that he can he can you know become a uh, passable shooter dude i i so i actually 100 percent agree when i was watching him play and i was watching like especially on catch and shoot shots i was like oh that doesn't look hideous yeah it's not it's not terrible at all and he gets like decent elevation on the jump shot um yeah they follow through right yeah, yeah, yeah. also like you know he's got a, so okay just to give him a little bit more credit he's got a little bit of touch to him i, I actually like his floater game. I, I think yeah. he, he did a pretty good job with the floaters, um, which I actually wasn't expecting. Cause like, you know, before I really went heavy into his tape, I was thinking like, uh, you know, he's just going to be going for highlight dunks all the time and stuff, but there's a little bit of savvy there. Um, yeah. I actually saw him hit a good amount of floaters with nice soft touch on it. And, you know, I, I think the free throw shooting wasn't great, but it also wasn't terrible. No, it's not and I think, and I think, Corey, that's exactly why another reason why NBA execs are not going to be like crazy low 
on him because he's got the plus tools, wow moments, and this shot doesn't look broken. Like, yeah. imagine he had this game and, like, his shot looked like Devin Vassell, but worse, right? Then yeah. NBA GMs wouldn't be looking at him at number six, number seven, right? So I, I do agree with you, man. If, I especially I, I thought he got good elevation on his shot. Yeah. So especially you know, like, in the especially yeah. in the mid range, like yes. And, and you know, you talk like the, his little touch, like the floaters and stuff. He did a really good job curling down low, mm-hmm. like coming off mm-hmm. those little down screens, curling tight, getting the ball on the move, and like either getting the little like one-handed floater up or like even getting nice elevation and hitting like a, a soft, like mid-range shot. So I, I, I think that is, you know, one of the things that you buy into where you're like, all right, let's extend the range a little bit because it's, it's passable. And despite the 27% on threes, he was, I believe it's 42% on long twos, hmm. you know? So like, you're like, okay. And that's a good number for long twos. You know, it's not a shot that you want a guy like him taking a ton of at the next level, mm-hmm. but it's reason to be optimistic that you could extend it. Um, because typically those shots are, you know, contested, uh, you know, hard, harder shots from that area. Right. So I, that there's reason to be optimistic with his shot. And and that is definitely, if you're playing devil's advocate, why is this guy ranked so high? It's, you have to eye test the, the shot. And there are, are little context clues that we just mentioned. Why I think that, there's reason for for optimism there yeah i i agree and okay so Corey, we talked a lot about his offensive game what did you see from him defensively and are you like sold on him being like a lockdown defender on the next level so defensively i think he's very good um and i think he's going to be a very he could be a very good defender at the next level but like i think his frame has to fill out and I don't think he has like a crazy wingspan that's going to allow him to like be this crazy multi-position defender. Like I think he's going to be a guy who is primarily guarding like ones and twos and like maybe every now and then is going to be able to go up and guard threes. Uh, you know, like I look at a guy like Mikhail Bridges who like he even struggles against oh. some fours because he's slight of frame and like he's got way better measurables um, and and height than a guy like Keon. So to me, like Keon is a guy, maybe you want to throw at like some of these point guards like Dame and, you know, those kind of guys who are like these high octane scoring guards, you know, Darius Garland, Colin Sexton. And eventually you hope that Keon can really frustrate him. You know, I think, you know, Trey Mann, when they played Florida, you know, he, he went off, he scored a lot, but like Keon, I think really frustrated him on a lot of possessions and he was able to stay with him. He's able to, you know, slither over screens and, you know, he's always active and he's, he's trying hard. And, and, um, you know, I think that there are times where he's a little sloppy, you know, like, you know, we're going to talk about Jaden, um, in a little, in a little bit on the next episode, but like when Jaden's closing out, it's very like disciplined and like Mm -hmm. compact. And when Keon and when Keon closes out, it's very like, yo, let me swat this or let me try to like two hands up, try to like make it as hard as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. And at times, because he's closing out a little bit too hard, it's a little sloppy and, you know, the the defense breaks down. So I I think there are times where he needs to clean it up and that goes back to kind of your Tasmanian devil, you know, Mm -hmm. comparison. Like there are times he shows out on defense too, but I do think there is reason to believe that he's going to be a good defender, a plus defender at the next level. Now, what I will say is, like, 
I was lower, I think, than, you know, most of like the internet on Isaac Okoro last year. Mm. You know, I had him at like 12 or whatever. Um, just because I, I thought his jump shot was really, really, really tough. But same. But I think that Okoro to me is a way better prospect despite that because the rest of his game was so much more polished. And you're just like, all right, if it's just the, the shot, then like once, if he gets that, I see it. You want to talk, like I could see you talking Jimmy Butler and I could buy into it, but the shot is so far away that it's, it's a, to me, not a realistic conversation for a, a while. Um, and even with Keon having the better shot, I still think a Coro, like they're, it's like the same conversation you're having, mm-hmm. but a Coro to me was just better at just about, everything including defensively because he was strong and like you weren't moving him off the spot ever and he had that lateral quickness um and he's come in and he's been a day one you know kind of like you could put him on a tough assignment and he's gonna make the guy work you know it's not it's he's still gonna have his rookie mistakes but like you see the potential all nba flashes i think Keon maybe is going to have a little bit more trouble right away just because of the physicality and, and the fact that, you know, he's going to have trouble bodying up on some of these NBA guys. Yeah, dude, I, I, I hear that dude. And I think it's, it, I think the names that you brought up are interesting too. Like a Coro, this dude is built out of granite, right? Yeah. He's just a chiseled beast and Keon is not that right. And then you mentioned, um, who'd you mention? Mikael Bridges, right? Yeah. He's not like Mikael Bridges. He's not like Matisse Thibel. He doesn't have yeah. that crazy pterodactyl wingspan. But once again, just to bring back the Tasmanian Devil thing, I think if we look at the good side of the Tasmanian Devil, he's got Keon's got a ferocity to him, an intensity mm-hmm. to him. He's got like he's got great instincts. I think. Um, I think he does a really. I think he does a pretty good job on the health side. I think he just kind yeah. of feels things. I think he's gonna obviously continue to grow and get better at reading the game. I think, as we mentioned, he's hiding his slight frame with t-shirts, but I think once he gets <laughs> to the next level and he's eating more and he's working out more, he has the frame where you could see him adding like legitimately like 20 to 25 more pounds, potentially. Like he just kind of, he doesn't look like those crazy skinny guys that'll never gain weight or gain mass, you know? And I right. think it, it is just a matter of time. And so w- when I look at Keon, I think it's, on the defensive side, at least, like you like the activity, you like the movement, you like the intensity, you like the instincts. And there are guys that don't have that. Guys yeah. who don't want to work hard, guys that don't have those instincts. And if Keon can continue to work on his body and reading the game and all that, then, you know, there is obviously a lot of upside there. Do I ever see him as like a first team all defense type of guy? No, definitely. I, I really don't see that. Um, but well, I think he could be a really, really good defender, and that is pretty good. But once again, like for me, it's hard to say. Like, let me grab a guy with the sixth pick in the draft with everything that we've said about Keon. So yeah. I think ultimately, Corey, I think you and I are kind of on the same page. There's a lot to like, but not enough to love, in my opinion. Yeah, for uh, definitely on the same page there. If you are buying stock in Keon who are guys that maybe you are, you bought stock in um, and you see the similarities, you know, to me, uh, this was a really hard one for me. Um, I think both, both of the Tennessee guys kind of are, but for me, I came up with like a cross of kind of like Josh Richardson and like Terrence Ross, maybe like I, I see elements of both of those guys games, like guys that like good defense, good athleticism, 
can kind of do some stuff, but not really at a, at a level where you want him to have the ball in his hands way too much. Obviously Terrence Ross is a way better shooter than, uh, you know, Richardson or Keon Johnson. So it, you know, not that part of his game, but he'll have some of those wow moments that Terrence Ross has athletically, but you know, they have kind of those slight frames, their energy guys. And I just, when I say that, it's like, what range do you draft a guy like that in? Right. Because to me, it's not in the top 10. I could see the argument in the back half of the lottery after 10, I could see it. It's, I don't think I haven't put a definitive board together, but I don't think he's going to be a guy that I have in like the top 15. Um, just based on our, you know, what I watched off my top of my head, guys, I'm thinking like, I mean, even just thinking, where does he rank amongst shooting guards in this draft? Right? Like it's behind Jalen green for me. Mm-hmm. He's behind book night for me. Mm-hmm. I think he's, he might even be behind Josh Christopher for me. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and I, this is, I'm spitballing. There are definitely other guys on this list that play the yeah. shooting guard spot that you can make the argument for. Can you make the argument for Keon over those guys? Maybe some of them, maybe some, mm-hmm. maybe some, right? Um, but yeah, I, 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 it's, uh, like you said, he's really volatile, man. You know, and it's all about expectation and, and the higher you get drafted, the higher the expectation. And that's big shoes to fill when I think just skill wise, I think he's got a lot of catching up to do with some of these other guys in the, in the class. So Corey, for me, I, okay, this is not, I'm not saying that they have like similar bodies or even similar games, yeah. but I think considering where I think he might get drafted and where he's lacking, I think he reminds me of Derek Williams. And, and here's the reason okay. why. So Derek Williams was a guy coming into the draft that people were like, dude, this guy is athletic. He's going to be able to shoot the ball. There's a lot of potential there. He could post up a little bit. There was actually hype around Derek Williams. Once Big again, time. completely, completely different bodies, whatever. But my thing is Keon Johnson is similar in that Derek Williams was not as athletic as people made him out to be. And also he wasn't as skilled as people made him out to be. And that's how I feel evaluators are going to evaluate Keon. I think they're going to be, they're going to make him out to be some crazy freak athlete with unbelievable upside defensively and offensively. And I just don't see it, man. And I think ultimately Derek Williams flamed out. He's not in the league anymore. And I'm not saying that Keon Johnson is going to flame out and not be in the league. Um, But at the same time, when I consider draft position, expectation and reality, that's what Keon reminds me of. And that I think he's going to go pretty high in the draft. There's going to be high expectations and I just can't see him fitting it. And if anything, like, I don't even know, dude, is he more of like a Tabo Cephalosha than anything else? Mm. Is he more like a, a Landry Fields than anything else? Like, I, I don't know. Once again, those guys are not as athletic as Keon Johnson, but just, you, you get what I mean, right? Like more of a yeah. fringe defensive wing rather than someone who's really ever going to produce for you offensively. Yeah. Maybe like a fourth, fourth guy in the offense, right? Exactly. Like whatever he's going to give you off ball and transition spot up shooting to me, that's, I think his most realistic outcome. And you know what we we've talked about this and we'll continue to talk about it. You know, it's easy to be like, look at this guy. This is his upside. This is who I think he's going to turn out to be when in most cases, it's not the high end outcome that these guys get to. Yep. It's the median outcome, which is just like 
skills only kind of develop, you know, and it's like, there's an outcome, like he's Hamadou Diallo, right? You know, like, <laughs> right. You know, it, it, that's an outcome for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, part of me, I'm like, look, a lot of really smart people have this kid really high mm-hmm. and there's reasons for it, but and I could see why the GMs are going to fall in love with them in workouts. Like, oh, you know what? Actually, he knocked down 30 shots in a row. And, you know, his shuttle run time was excellent. And he, you know, he was doing 720s, you know, like. But ultimately, I just think I didn't see enough of the nuanced flashes. I saw all the athletic flashes. I didn't see the nuance. And to me, with a guy like him, I, I at least want to see the nuance with the ball in his hands if I'm going to draft him that high at his size. You know, they, that's 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 my thing with him, man. Any I, final any final key on thoughts? Um, just, you know, I, I think if we want to see the absolute apex of Keon Johnson's career arc, I think he needs to go late lottery, late teens. I think that's the only way where real reality plus expectation will actually make sense for Keon. Yeah. Um, if he goes top 10, I think we're setting him up to, to fail. And that's the last thing I would want for him. So ultimately I'm kind of lukewarm on Keon Johnson, but that doesn't mean I'm out on him either. So I yeah. That's just, yeah. I think that, I'm certainly not buying his stock at this price. Yeah. And I think I'm selling it at this price, but there is a price that I'm buying back in at for Mm -hmm. sure. Right. And, and that's your, your 500 days of summer, you know, reality versus expectation thing there. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, part one, Keon Johnson in the books. We're going back to back. You're getting two episodes this week. So thanks for listening. Make sure that you like subscribe, rate the podcast that would be super dope um and we'll see you later on in the week peace